This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 111-inch. On this week's episode, we interview magician Justin Willman, the star of Netflix's Magic for Humans and the original host of Cupcake Wars. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Hey, Ethan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. We are so glad that you could join us. Yeah, but uh, I'm kind of annoyed. So, Dave, you know how our intern, Frank, is a total idiot? Well, duh. I mean, of course. What did he do this time? <laughs> you won't believe this. So he handed me the notes for this week's episode, which, you know, we require him to write in script with a quill pen, of course. And he totally transposed the episode number. So this episode is episode 111. But the notes say one one one. He switched the last one and the first one. Oh my god, I can't believe that. You know what? Actually, now that you mention it, he messed up my notes too. I think he actually wrote the episode number upside down and backwards. Well, luckily, I have a mirror here so I can read it, but uh, yeah, I mean, come on. What an, an idiot. idiot. Well, hopefully he didn't mess up Wistik and Weird Al Neelated Ruse. All right, let's see what we have on Wistikin Weird Al. No, this week in Weird Al related news. Oh, intern Frank! Last Saturday was the Big Slick Kansas City event, the annual fundraiser in support of Children's Mercy Hospital, and it featured none other than Weird Al. Yeah, and we would have mentioned it like last week to tell you about it, to give you a heads up, but unfortunately, they didn't announce that Al was going to be part of it until after our episode was already posted. Now, Weird Al, he's an alumni of this event, and he has participated before, including actually playing in a celebrity softball game back in 2014. And so this year, the event was totally virtual, and they branded it as the Big Slick Virtually Talented Show. And of course, as always, it's hosted and run by Paul Rudd, Jason Sudeikis, Rob Riggle, Eric Stone Street, and David Koechner. Now, for Weird Al's talent part, he performed the metal ball trick. Now, if you want to check out the event and, of course, Al's trick, we posted a link to the video over on group.2000inch.com. And if you watch it and just want to see Al, fast forward to around the 22 and a half minute mark. And if you can't watch it for whatever reason, or you don't feel like watching it, or even if you do watch it and you just want to see Al perform this trick again, it is totally okay to ask Al to do it again if you ever run into him on the street. Oh, absolutely. Just mention that Rob Regal said it was okay. And Ethan, I know you and I were really excited watching the video because we had just recorded an interview with Sam Levine and he actually appears in the video as well. We're going to have more with him later on a future episode where we talk about his relationship with Weird Al and even some of the past Big Slick events, including that celebrity softball game. So stay tuned for that amazing interview with Sam coming up eventually. Oh, absolutely. So Sam and Al and a lot of other really cool celebrities have supported this Big Slick event. Dave, I actually want to go to one one year. It just sounds like a blast. 
Well, hopefully next time they do a big slick event, they'll announce it more than a couple days in advance and we can get out and see it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially if Weird Al's going to be part of it. <laughs> now, Ethan, you actually also posted something else really interesting in the group recently. And it looks like it may be some kind of giant vegan Mexican food items. Yes! I posted a picture of a really exciting meal I had. My friend and I, we each ordered giant burritos, and the two of them together weighed almost five and a half pounds. Wow, that's got to be some kind of world record. Where did you get these burritos? Well, I got these burritos from my favorite vegan Mexican restaurant, who just happens to be sponsoring this week's episode. I'm excited to say this week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in True New York, home of the two-pound, well, maybe more, double-wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito and wizard burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito just as I did, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquare.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. Wow, that sounds really great. Ethan, next time you get some food from Burrito Burrito or Wizard Burger, be sure to post about it over in the group at group.2000h.com. Oh, you know I will, Dave. If you are following Weird Al on social media, and you really should be, then you will know that Al shared a clip from The Tonight Show featuring Lin-Manuel Miranda's latest appearance. Now, as often happens when Jimmy Fallon and Lin-Manuel Miranda get together, the conversation turns to Weird Al. Now, Lin-Manuel, he mentioned that his kids aged six and three, they absolutely love Weird Al, and especially the song, Smells Like Nirvana, and let me just say, Lin, you've got some really smart kids. (laughs) Then Lin goes on to mention that his kids make up their own parody lyrics to the song, narrating whatever they happen to be doing at that time. The video, it's so cute, it's so funny, you gotta check out that clip on Al's Twitter or Instagram or wherever if you haven't seen it already. Last week, we mentioned that Grammy Award-winning podcast theme song writer Jim Kimo West, he has a new CD coming out, and it's going to be released on June 18th, and that is this Friday. The CD is called Ka Hanua Maluhia Peaceful World, and if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, you got to do it in the next day or two to get the special price, and you're going to get the CD autographed by Jim himself. Now, both Ethan and myself, we got our copies of the CD already. And yeah, they are autographed and personalized. And the CD is so pretty, stinking majestic. I think we have another Grammy Award winner, possibly. Oh, I hope so. You can get that great deal and all of Jim's other great music by heading over to JimKemoWest.com. And if you get yours, be sure to share a picture. We'd love to see your smiling face with that awesome new CD. Last week, we also mentioned that the Funny Music Festival Fump Fest will officially be happening this August, August 20th through 22nd in Chicago, Illinois, with guest of honor, Dr. Demento. Now, we are very excited to announce that Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast has officially signed on as a sponsor of Fump Fest. 
We are very excited to be sponsoring FumFest. And if any of our listeners are planning to go, we want to hear from you for a potential special bonus episode. Please make sure you reach out to us if you are planning to go. And in other FumFest news, this week they just announced some brand new musical performers joining the lineup. Carla Albrich, The Great Lewski, and even Steve Goody. We are very honored to be sponsoring this incredibly important and exciting event. To find out how to attend and other information about FumpFest, be sure to visit FumpFest.com. Now, there is something really exciting happening on the subject of books about Weird Al. Seriously? Yeah, exactly. Let's check in with episode 43-inch guest and author of the book Weird Al Seriously, Lily Hirsch, who joins us with a world exclusive. Hi guys, it's me, Lily Hirsch, the 43-inch guest and author of Weird Al Seriously, and I'm so excited to be announcing the paperback expanded edition. Seriously? Wow, that's really exciting. There's actually going to be a paperback edition of your hit book Weird Al Seriously. So what can you tell us about the paperback is it going to be the exact same content as the hardcover book or will there be any new material there is going to be new material it's actually an expanded edition i think i was very sad when the book was all done because the project was so much fun and i think the publisher was very sad too so we decided to keep going and to make it bigger and to make it better and yeah (laughs) (laughs) And all the things that happened since that I thought, oh, I wish I had put that in. I can put it in now. (laughs) It's like when you when you like write an email and you hit send and then you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to put this other thing. Except I think on a much larger scale since, you know, they printed all these copies and all these people have it and are reading it and they're in their collections. That's exactly it. And that always happens. Anytime you finish anything, you finish any writing, you go, oh, I wish I had done this. But now I can. So exciting. And I have a whole new afterword. There's a whole added afterword section about Weird Al fans and Weird Al fans during the pandemic and how I might be a Weird Al fan, too. And there's also also a new section that I'm calling School of Al. Ooh. About about Weird Al's influence on other seriously funny musicians. That's amazing. I mean, Dave and I, we talked to, you know, so many people on this podcast. And I would say a good number of them, you know, if they're not people who, you know, grew up as Al's peers, if they're younger than Al, they all say that they've been influenced by Al in some way or another. Absolutely. Of course they are. And I cannot believe I did not include this section the first time around. So thank goodness (laughs) the publisher is giving me a chance to do that. And they're also giving me a chance to add in some really terrible jokes that they will probably cut before it comes out. I'm really proud of one. I can tell you one that probably won't make it. But when I talk about the school of Al, I thought it was kind of fun to play with the whole school idea in classical music. There's all of these schools of music that are really kind of spheres of influence. And one is called the Second Viennese School around Arnold Schoenberg. And Viennese in German is spelled just like Wiener, Twinkie Wiener Sandwich. I make this connection and it is so bad because, you know, anytime you have to explain a joke like I just did, it's probably terrible. So that probably will not be in the book, but but I'm trying to get it in. 
<laughs> well, if there's any other jokes like that that, that you really you know love and, and they don't make it in, please you know keep a file and, and let us know next time you're on the podcast so we can hear all of them. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. There actually are a few that probably won't. I'm going to write them down. I'm so excited. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what makes the book and what got, gets cut. <laughs> There's a great new book idea, actually. Everything that got cut from your from your paperback version of Weird Al Seriously, you could put out a, a third version of the book with just everything that's cut in it. Everything that I thought was funny that the publisher didn't think was funny. That probably would be a book because, yes, oh boy. <laughs> well, what could be the third edition? Like, if it's hardcover, then softcover, then is it like water cover like it's filled with water like what is the next stage in books <laughs> that's a good that's a good question i don't know how to answer that there should be a next stage yeah. <laughs> i know who i'm not going to ask about that i wasn't sure if i was just going to be talking to you two today or if that terrible intern frank might be there oh <laughs> yeah we we do we don't allow frank on the podcast to speak unless absolutely oh. necessary Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, we try to restrict his interaction with our guests as much as possible. You know, oh. we want to make sure that you feel as comfortable as you can when you are our guest on our podcast. I really appreciate that. You guys are so kind. And there's just something about his voice. It's just, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, enough about Frank. We're, we're here to talk about Weird Al. So in preparing for this new edition, have you talked to Weird Al himself at all? I didn't interview him again, but I told him this was happening. So he knows that this is happening and gave it his blessing. He's always so kind and so quick with his messages whenever I write. Um, I did get to talk to um, someone who worked with him on the radio station, uh, Peggy. She was co-host of the news at the same time as, as Al. So I got to hear a little bit about her take on his time in college oh, and wow. how difficult that architecture degree was so um, the fact that he was performing music and completed that degree when it was so difficult really says something even more about his intelligence in her opinion so I was able to get that in oh very cool yeah yeah so there and I got to talk to you guys and hear more about some of your activity and I did not know Dave that you met your wife because you were a fan of Weird Al that's amazing (laughs) I love that well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's one of the uh, one of the many perks of being a Weird Al fan is sometimes you get to meet the love of your life. <laughs> that is amazing, and congratulations! I just I feel like I've learned a more a lot more about the fans since the book came out, and I wanted to get some of that into the book. Well, that is so cool, and we're so excited about this new edition. Do you have any idea when it's actually going to come out? Sometime in 2022, um, it's kind of a nice mark. We've got the 40-year mark of the actual band coming together, first performance in 1982. So it's kind of a nice mark, 2022. Nice. And do yeah. you have any ideas? Is the artwork going to change? Or, you know, is Kelly drawing a new bust of Al? Oh, she offered, and I would have loved that. Um, I talked to the publisher, and they said they just wanted to leave it as is. Um, and I have to respect that. Um, but I wish, and maybe with a future project, I'll be able to ask Kelly to do something again, since I just love her drawing so much. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you can't really mess with perfection. I, I understand that. <laughs> I know. It's such a <laughs> such a good cover. I am glad that they're letting me change the book, add it and expand it. I think the publisher, everyone I worked at, with at Roman and Littlefield, they turned out to be huge Weird Al fans, too. So it was we all had so much fun on this project. It's I, I think it wasn't just me that wanted to keep it going. They did, too. So we're all having fun again. Now, do you have any idea, you know, what your next project might be? Is it going to be Weird Al related again or are you going in a different direction? Well, I've got a few things going now. I definitely caught the comedy bug. Um, not only am I writing my own really bad jokes that no one will ever <laughs> see be- <laughs> because of their very poor quality, um, but I'm amusing myself in difficult times. So I, I, I think there's a positive. Um, I have been working on a, a book about funny music more generally, lots of other composers um, oh, and musicians. Very cool. Because not only I, with Weird Al, I really wanted to make the point uh, that funny music is just as significant as so-called serious music. Um, but now I'm starting to think that funny music might actually be even more significant than serious <laughs> music. Because I, you might laugh, but in a way, you really, really have to know music to be able to flip it inside out. It takes this kind of uh, flexible thinking where you know music, but can then turn it upside down. So I'm going to make that point in the next book. And I have some interviews with some amazing people, including Tom Lehrer. Very cool. Oh, wow. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that was an amazing get. He doesn't really do interviews, and I was amazed he agreed to it. Um, but I told him that I wanted to focus on funny music and death. And he said, as long as I only focus on death, he's in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, I love that sentiment of the point you're trying to make because I've always felt that way. My, all my favorite music, not just Weird Al always has a sense of humor to it. So I, I think that's a really awesome project. And, and I can't wait to hear about your interview with Tom Lehrer. That is just so cool. Oh, it was so fun. Yes, we're well, if you have any title ideas, you have to let me know. First, I was thinking music is a joke. And then Netflix did Netflix is a joke. So that was too bad. <laughs> then I was thinking I should just make it kind of a theme. And I was thinking maybe funny music seriously. Oh. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see yeah we're still working on it but it's a fun one i also have a book about music and insult but you don't need to know about that one yet that's probably enough for a new segment okay <laughs> <laughs> well we'll open it up to all of our amazing listeners if you have any great book title ideas for lily please let us know and we'll pass them along to lily and lily we are really excited that you asked us to be part of this new paperback edition book and we're really looking forward to when it's coming out in 2022 with the new content and the new chapter and everything else thank you so much for joining us and filling us in on the paperback version of weird Al's seriously and please let us know when the book is available We'd love to talk to you again. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for your help. And you guys have a great day. Thank you so much to Lily Hirsch for popping into the podcast and sharing that awesome, incredible, pretty stinking majestic, world exclusive, brand new news. Oh, you know what that sound means. Oh, 
Oh, our vegan Twinkie Wiener sandwiches are ready? No, it means we have a message on the official Dave Nathan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast 347 Spatula Hotline. All right, Frank, let's hear it. Hey, Dave and Ethan, it's UH Chef, Scott Thornton, Adriana Yugovich, and Kenneth. We're at Little Tokyo, L.A. We're having sushi. Hey, Jeff, what are you ordering? Red snapper. Ooh, very tasty. <laughs> Dave and Ethan, of the Niche, we're now podcast. Be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Kenneth, Scott, Adriana, and Jeff, thank you so much for calling in. Make sure you order a lot of sushi. And don't forget to leave a tip. Oh, yeah. Good reminder. I always eat a bunch of sushi and forget to leave a tip. Remember when we had sushi with Bermuda? Or when we had sushi in British Columbia, Canada? Ooh, remember when I had that gas station sushi and I forgot my identity and I ended up spending a week in Brazil with no shoes, snorting pixie sticks in an abandoned 7-Eleven? Is that the time you were belching Stairway to Heaven? Oh, no, no, no. That was in Ecuador. I was belching the Gilligan's Island theme song that time I was in Brazil. Oh, yeah. I always mix those up. Well, anyway, enough about gas station sushi. Oh, I could really go for some gas station sushi. But it's time for this week's interview. Dave and I, we are very excited to welcome the hilarious magician who you may know from his hit series, Magic for Humans on Netflix, and as the host of such competition shows as Cupcake Wars. He'll be hosting a virtual gala on June 26th to support Alzheimer's programs featuring none other than his hero and our hero, Weird Al Yankovic. Please welcome Justin Willman. How's it going, Justin? Ah, uh, yeah, so happy to be here. So happy to be here for the right <laughs> reason, for our mutual Al appreciation. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We only let people on the show when they love Weird Al. And That's kind of a pre- prerequisite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> well, as soon as we saw you were doing this event, we just we had to reach out because it just it seems really incredible. So, I, I mean, I guess just to start it off, what can you tell us about Magic for Memories, A Night of Comedy and Wonder to Make Alzheimer's Disappear? Well, um, it's a cause near and dear to my heart. My mom passed away after a decade-long battle with Alzheimer's. Uh, she passed away last May. And I've kind of always been wanting to do my own thing to raise money specifically for my mom's fund that was created in her honor. And, you know, I've kind of I've done a bunch of other people's charity shows for Alzheimer's and other things and just been witness to just people and artists using their talent and fan base for good and i'm like you know what that that feels that feel that looks like it feels really good <laughs> and it feels really good to do those shows like i've yeah i know i've been asked to you know to do to donate my time for a lot of shows like that and it's always like oh yeah it's an honor and also like it it feels good to do other people's shows for a great cause and i was like i bet it feels really good to put together your own show for your cause and it is a lot of work but man it is it feels really good because it's it's a chance to finally kind of after you know years of being in entertainment be like all right i'm gonna scroll through my contacts i finally have something <laughs> like i don't feel bad asking people to do i finally have something i feel good about asking weird al to do you know as opposed to like hey man right. you wanna i don't know get coffee or hang out you know so it um it was it, it, it feels good all around 
So obviously Weird Al is part of this event, but you've got a really incredible lineup. Uh, Jason Mraz, you got Sarah Bareilles, Jim Gaffigan, Nicole Byer. I mean, this just seems like the greatest thing ever, and you're also part of it. Yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe the, you know, it's like what a, it's just a, what a great show to go see for any reason, even if there isn't a good cause behind it. But yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm very excited. And it's, and it's on Zoom. So, you know, unlike a live event where people have, you know, location restrictions about whether or not they can go, it's anyone around the world can watch. So it's, it's fun. It kind of follows me after a year of doing my show on Zoom, kind of adapting, you know, well, when the pandemic pandemic hit, I was about to hit the road and go on a you know, my biggest theater tour yet. And obviously that got, uh, got the kibosh. So I kind of pivoted and was like, can I do magic on zoom without it sucking? And (laughs) after some experimentation, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, actually it can be pretty great. And anyone in the world can watch. So you're, you know, the, the, the big bummer of touring is that no matter how many places you go, you have equal number of like comments on any post who are, who are like, you never come to perform near me and you kind of don't because you just can't perform everywhere so yeah zoom was a chance to really get a chance to reach everybody and it was a pretty beautiful experience over the course of the many months fun yeah absolutely yeah so i'm interested to to learn uh just what uh weird al's role is in this amazing magic for memories on june 26th yeah well you know i met weird al because uh he was a guest judge on cupcake wars as you know, uh, yes. way back when. Yes. But I, right. you know, been a huge Weird Al fan um, forever. You know, he was. I'm sure that's one thing we have both, all of us here in common is, you know, I discovered his music when I was 12. Before I really even knew, obviously, before I even knew the songs he was parroting, uh, um, <laughs> and he just kind of became this larger than life guy who kind of made it okay to be weird and quirky and you know not normal you know and so it was a big inspiration to me as a magician obviously uh because you already feel weird and quirky and not normal and he kind of (laughs) gave you the green light that it's okay so i'm very excited to i mean i I don't know if he will quote unquote perform you know because i know for al it takes uh you know he's normally tours with this full band and it takes a lot of work but uh, on the set of Cupcake Wars, I got to do some tricks for him. And he's very funny to do magic for in that it's very fun to watch him watch magic. His reactions are hilarious <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it kind of just cracks me up. So if it's nothing else than him watching me do magic for 15 minutes, that'd be great. But I, I'm excited to have a little chat with him, maybe talk about our... Uh, you know, the the genesis of his soup ladle viral video, which is yes. a funny story because I... <laughs> taught him that dumb trick on the set of cupcake wars oh, and then really? broke the internet with it. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering because I obviously know that video that Al did and then, you know, as I'm watching Magic for Humans, I'm like, hey, that's the same trick. Like that's so cool. Yeah, he was kind enough to credit me in his in his YouTube caption, okay. which you know, most people wouldn't do. Like he's that I mean, just that little thing makes you realize like, oh, he's he's the real deal. What a mensch, you know. Yeah. So, uh so we'll kind of riff on that, and maybe I'll maybe I'll teach him a new trick that he can Ooh. break the internet with. We'll see. Oh, yeah, very nice. Well, that's so exciting, and and you know, Dave and I, we're not only major Weird Al fans, we're also major Weird Al collectors, and we know a lot of our listeners are as well. I would love if you told us about this special signed poster that's part of the gold package. Ooh, yeah, you know, it's interesting because the show's virtual. It's like. 
hard to get a poster that everybody can sign on the night, but it, it's definitely now going to be a part of Weird Al memorabilia because although it's like the Magic for Memories show poster, his his beautiful mug and glorious curly hair is on it. So uh, <laughs> so that's like a, a nice bonus perk for people who I mean the the show is forty bucks to attend, and you can that's for however many people are watching from your Zoom screen. So it's a pretty good deal. But yeah, that ticket tier, the 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 hundred fifty dollar tickets, uh, people get to come to a post show. Uh, Q&A with me and and hopefully a couple of the uh, Alzheimer's experts and keep it light and fun and hopefully very optimistic. But you also get a uh, a an exclusive poster that not a lot of people will have. So that's a nice little bonus piece of uh, of merch that um, that is now could be a part of the Weird Al, uh, you know, pantheon of of souvenirs. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm curious, of course, this is all going to be on Zoom, um, and you've done your own Zoom performances before, but I'm like, you've also performed in front of a live crowd many times, and to me, you know, I'm curious just how does magic different in front of a live crowd versus a Zoom audience? Obviously, you've got to, uh, maybe not, but you've got to write new material probably, or you've got to scale down your, your, your magic act. How is it different performing on Zoom versus performing live? Yeah, you know, it, it definitely took some time to adjust to, um, you know, seeing applause instead of hearing applause, you know, because it's a little chaotic if everyone's oh, right, unmuted, right. so you kind of need to get used to that. You kind of need to just rely on your confidence as a performer to know you're killing, you know? <laughs> uh, but I think um, some of the perks are that typically, you know, in the live show, I try to space out the bits that I that are audience participation, you know, that I get someone up from the crowd for, just because it kind of takes a while to have someone come all the way up to the stage. You know, it, it's kind of like that's some dead time. So I like to kind of keep the show moving. But on Zoom, it's like I instead try to have every bit involve somebody from the audience because one, it reminds everybody that this is live and oh, he could pop into our house at any moment. So right. it keeps everybody on their toes. And <laughs> right. um, it makes the magic more amazing, obviously, is all of a sudden you're in picture in picture and we're doing a trick that blows your mind. Um, and what's great is that People, you know, it's it's so intimate because the camera's only a couple feet from your face. So on stage, you know, if you'd have to have a pretty big reaction to people for people to like, you know, who are sitting far in the back to really uh, have it land with them that you are amazed. But on Zoom, you know, even just the subtlest little quirks really, really play well. So it's 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 obviously got some cons to it that I just try to avoid those types of tricks that. Or, you know, like obviously our attention spans are shorter, so I try to have everything paced up quicker and shorter mm. bits. But, um, you know, the fact that I can just plow through and use 20 different people throughout a show and the technology lets me kind of really do that now smoothly, it's, um, you know, it's, it's fun. I feel like every time someone has even a one minute interaction with you, even if it's on Zoom, like it, it kind of gives them that feeling that they were up on stage with you. So I try to emphasize that as much as I can. Right. And I imagine it's got to be a more uh, personal experience for the audience as well. Exactly. Um, It's, you know, I mean, obviously there's nothing like live in person, you know, but it really does create the vibe of, you know, you can have a Zoom with 500 to 1,000 people on it, which in a theater, 
you know, only the people in the first couple rows are going to feel like it's an intimate experience for them. The rest of the people kind of feel like they're spectators. But on Zoom, it's like everybody's got a front row seat. So that's kind of the biggest difference is that everyone is, it's very democratized. Everyone has the same viewing vantage point, depending on their internet connection, you know, and um, right. has the same likelihood of being in the show, which is really nice. And, you know, and, and the best part is just being able to reach people everywhere. I've, you know, we did so many shows over the course of the last year. We've had over 700,000 people, wow. you know, attend one of the shows. Wow. Yeah. Which is way more than I could have ever, ever performed for, you know, live totally. in, in a decade even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Wow. Incredible. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to cover a lot more for Magic for Memories. And just to get the plug out there early, magicformemories.com for tickets and information. But I wanted to tie back to something you said. You said you have been a Weird Al fan since you were 12. And I read that you also started doing Magic at 12. I guess the question is, what came first, Weird Al or Magic? Oh, Weird Al came first. Yeah? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, and I can't, I'm trying to remember like how I stumbled upon it, you know, like I'm pretty sure I got a Weird Al cassette as a part of one of those 12 cassettes for a penny Columbia okay. Music House things. <laughs> and, you know, and I think I just, as a kid, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but as a kid when, you know even just having a couple bucks is a huge deal. Like I remember like doing the math, like, wait, I, I can buy a soda in the machine for 50 cents, but you can buy a six pack for $2. I'm going to buy six packs and sell sodas, you know? Like, so <laughs> when I would see the Columbia music house thing, I'm like 12 for a penny. This is insanity. And then, you know, you, I, and I'm like, I don't even know 12 music artists. So I just started filling in blanks and somehow I ended up with Weird Al's al uh, cassette. It's the the eponymous one, you know, with right. Mr. Frump and the Iron Laws. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. It's track, track one, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, not track one, but yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That, but Mr. Frump is on there. And, uh, and that was my introduction to all that music. I did. I don't think I even knew at first that he was parodying songs that exist. Like. Like, I remember, you know, obviously, uh, My Bologna, I know all the lyrics to, and Another One Rides the Bus. And then hearing, like, hearing the real song later, it felt like that was the parody. Like, the like the Tom Petty was ripping off Weird Al. Like, why is this song not funny? It's not funny anymore. Yeah. And, like, when I was in fifth grade, I, I remember f did, like, a talent show lip sync thing where I did uh i think eat it eat it al does it in the fat suit right you're fat or you're thinking fat? Of fat. Well, yeah. i'm fat i'm fat i did yeah. i'm fat i'm fat and like with pillows <laughs> under my shirt and they started falling out and it got me all flustered and like, i got laughed at so it was like a scarring memory but that just goes to show you like how devoted i was to al you know um and also like i felt so cool because i was the only one of my friends who even knew who weird al was like I don't know how, like, I was so cool and in the know, and they were kind of like, what? I don't know. And they also didn't know the music he was parodying, but I just felt like I had discovered this thing. And I remember then when uh, UHF, not, well, not when UHF came out, but at least when I discovered it at Blockbuster, yeah. you know, on a visit, yeah. I rented that movie over and over again and just <laughs> loved it. I mean, it's been a couple years since I watched it, but, I mean, I still quote it to this day, oh, you know. Yeah. Conan, Conan the yeah. Librarian, you know. <laughs> Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? I, you know, I love it. 
it's yeah i mean uhf is one of those films where yeah it's over 30 years old but you can watch it and you can laugh at all the same bits it it did not you know age at all yeah and i mean and michael richards you know like i think you watch that and you're like oh i mean it's almost like that is where he (laughs) workshopped kramer you know oh totally you really see see that (laughs) homework um but it was yeah so good and um maybe they should reboot it i don't even know if kids these days know what knows what uhf as the you know the 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 network of channels was right but um but yeah it was uh, it was a, a special thing and um you know then i would gradually collect collect the cds eventually when they would come out and you know i think what i was always drawn to now as an adult is is like what an amazing like longevity of a career what uh like like just what a good person, you know, like, yeah, I think obviously getting to meet him, getting to meet any hero, you know, you're often setting yourself up for disaster, which is why they say never meet your heroes. But like, it was such a good experience. And I think he knows like, like he knows what an impact he's had on so many people who are now, you know, like, in the world of comedy entertainment doing their thing. And he just handles it so well. And, and, you know, like is so sweet and so kind uh, and you know, just so willing to do fun stuff, willing to do shtick, willing to <laughs> say yes to being on my Zoom show. Like he's just such a such a good guy. Right. Also, how does he age so well? I I have no idea. Right. <laughs> but um, but he's just a good role. You know, he's a good role model. I think just as a person, but definitely as someone in the entertainment field. Just because you know, if you want to be in this business for a long time, be a good person. Be nice to people. Be kind, be courteous, and you know, don't be a dick. And you know, you'll you'll be around. You'll stick around. And I love that his biggest successes have come, you know, later now in his career than even even at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, you brought it up. So uh, that's a great transition. Let's talk about the first time that you met Weird Al. Can you walk us through that experience? Yeah, the first time. You know, the first time was on the set of Cupcake Wars. And I remember I was, I mean, by this time, I think I was maybe, it was like season three or four of Cupcake Wars. I really can't remember, but it it had gotten to the point where, you know, you're shooting 13 episodes in a row and you shoot, it's like a 14 to 16 hour day. So you kind of are on a little bit of autopilot. Um, You know, sometimes a fun guest judge will pop in, but normally it's kind of like, you know, somebody who's, somebody that you've never heard of or somebody who's not a celebrity, but as soon as they booked Weird Al, it was like counting down the days to that Weird Al day. And, you know, trying not to, you know, trying to be cool, but also, you know, tell him how important he is to you without being like, you know, Chris Farley in that sketch with Paul McCartney, you know, where it's like, you know, you know like uh, fawning over him. Yeah. And um, I remember I got to meet him really quick before he sat down and he was so sweet. I kind of in a nutshell told him, that I'm a huge fan and, and, you know, I do magic and I think I've got the confidence to be a magician because of, you know, seeing you do what you do. And then when he does his entrance on camera, he kind of like comes out and I kind of introduced him as, you know, my hero. I, I revised my script that day to make it a little more authentic and real. And he kind of like gives me on camera this big hug and wraps his leg around <laughs> me. It was, I mean, it's just so funny. He's, he has the ability to make these moments out of nothing, you know. Like normally it's just like when the guest walks out, shakes his hand, sits down, and he just kind of 
makes it into a thing. You know, everything that he tries to, you know, just put a little weird Al in, like turns into gold. So that was like the first time I met him. And then I met him again at the Nerdist Channel launch party. That's when Chris Hardwick launched like the Nerdist YouTube channel. Yeah. Years ago, and I had a show on that network, and Al and Hardwick are, are, are friends, so I, I got to re- re-meet him then, and he was so sweet. It was like, how you been? That episode came out great. And, um, and then we, we, I, I managed to get his email then because I was doing a regular show in the back of Nerd Melt Theater uh, there at Meltdown Comics in, right, in right. L.A. called Slide of Mouth. It was like a late-night talk show format where I would do magic for the guests and do a magic monologue. And uh, I was like, it'd be amazing to have Weird Al as a guest. So we reached out and uh, he said yes. And he kind of was my huge guest on that particular show. And I did a big trick for him. And that's when I realized how funny it is to watch him do magic. Because, like, he, you know, he just, when his mind is blown, you can just see it all over his face. And he's so funny because he just doesn't try to, doesn't try to pull it back together. He doesn't try to recover. He just lets his brain be exploded and uh and that's when i was like i gotta do magic for him again because that was awesome yeah (laughs) yeah oh that's incredible do you remember the trick that you performed for weird al yeah i do i did this thing where i had a box hanging up like a locked chest hanging up the entire show and i think i had weird al um pick people in the audience to make up a uh like a dream vacation, like pick somebody out randomly and ask them where we should go and, and then who we should go with and what we should do when we get there. And then I have Al get this box down and inside the box is a big plastic tube that he has to unscrew and inside that tube is a scroll of paper and Al unfolds it and of course it's got everything that everybody just said, including <laughs> random stuff he said. And, right. <laughs> yeah, and he, uh, I've got a picture of him up in my office of his broken brain at that moment which is really awesome <laughs> oh that's so cool <laughs> incredible wow. yeah so good times i was pretty lucky yeah <laughs> so i i have been a fan of cupcake wars you know from the beginning i i watched probably every episode and my mind was just so blown when weird al came out that one episode right when i heard about that what was it like filming Cupcake Wars? And, and I'm, I'm curious about your career of being a magician and a performer to hosting that show and some of the other shows uh, that you've hosted. You know, um, it was interesting because I'd never really, you know, like I have no culinary experience. I'm not a chef or anything like that. But as a magician, you're kind of, you know, I think I've naturally got training as a host just by being a magician and, you know, being an entertainer and having to think on the fly and, you know, keep a show moving along. So I would go out on random hosting auditions in LA. And so that was one of them. And I remember, you know, feeling like I just botched the audition. It was bad. And then two weeks later, I got a call back. I was like, that's weird. I, this is, and plus it's like a show about cupcakes and you're, I mean, you're kind of thinking like, how's this going to last, you know? Right. And lo and behold, it, you know, did, (laughs) did 11 seasons or something. It was wild. Um, It was, I mean, it was a really fun show to do because people loved it. Like I, I loved going out on tour doing magic and meeting people who were like, oh man, this is, it's the only show I can watch with my kids or we'd love to watch it with my grandparents. It was kind of one of these shows that was the happy place for a lot of people, you know, because yeah. it's hard to find a show that everybody can get behind. So yeah. it was a good co-viewing show. So I, I, that's when I was like, wow, it really feels good to like make a show that makes people happy. Um, and doing the show, you know, like 
it's odd. It would it would be maybe one month of the year or maybe one or two months of the year would be spent shooting that show and then the rest of the time I'm out doing magic. But it, it kind of creates the illusion in people's minds that like that's what I do all day every day is host right, cupcake right. Course, you know. So it's like a small part of my life, but it's a big part of my perceived life. Um, you know, I think there were times where I was um I wouldn't say resentful, but I like annoyed that I was then known more as the cupcake guy than as a magician, which is my true passion. Right. Um, you know, people would be like, oh, like when did the cupcake guy learn magic or something like that when they would <laughs> find out I'm a magician. And, uh, you know, just because I wanted, you know, not that I, just because I wanted people to know like the the thing that I feel I do best, which isn't necessarily hosting a cupcake show, but like, you know, pouring my life and passion into being a magician and sharing wonder and, you know, blowing Weird Al's mind. And, but I'm, I'm so glad to have that, you know, as a training ground because it, I just learned so much of, uh, you know, experience about being on camera and how to make TV that I think all came in handy with Magic for Humans and, you know, a bunch of other random shows that I've hosted. So it was invaluable experience. But just so many great people that I've met, you know, including Weird Al. It's like these little paths that cross and these seeds that you plant with people and i mean you know and all the while me really trying to be real and kind and genuine with everybody because you it's a small world these people are going to come back and you just don't want to leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth and it's that lesson i learned from al and try to carry on and just to be to be real and um um so it was and plus i got to eat a butt ton of cupcakes i mean a lot a lot of cupcakes never on camera though so i always had to rush it i had to like scarf it down while they were laying out the next cupcakes um but uh but that that wasn't a bad perk would you try each cupcake or just the ones that like appealed to you i would try to try each cupcake i would i would focus eventually i would focus on the ones that they said were the judges were like this is amazing or this is terrible (laughs) i kind of was i was always curious like how bad how how would they make it like how could they screw this up i kind of always wanted to make sure i tried those and and, you know i'm always curious when i I see these like cooking competition shows how real are the the time limits like if they get 30 minutes or an hour is it really a strict 30 minutes or an hour is is there kind of some fluff it is it is i mean sometimes in the in the big challenge you know the two hour one where they have to build the display like sometimes there'll be something that goes wrong just with like cameras or production where they have to like you know, it, it's not fair unless they stop the clock for everybody and say, hey, okay, we delayed you guys there. We'll let you guys get 10 extra minutes here and then we'll resume the clock. Mm-hmm. But there, because it's like under technically like the game show rules, like there's all these standards and practices that, you know, there's somebody on set to make sure because there's cash prize on the on the line. Right. You know, they've got like a someone, a legal person on set there to make sure that everyone gets the exact same amount of time that they get the same ingredients that it's a level playing field hmm. um so yeah it's kept it all kept it all legit oh interesting yeah i'm curious um you know on the owl episode specifically you know for example one of the weird ingredients that that someone used was like squid and al's a vegetarian so they're like oh and then there's a vegetarian version for al was that known the whole time or did they kind of rush and have to remake it so al could try it you know, that's a good point because I, we, we all, I mean, I knew that about him um, from Wikipedia, of course. Right. And I feel like um, 
there's a good chance that somebody probably came there not knowing what the challenge was, but they're like, I've got a really good squid cupcake. If I get the chance, I'm going to make this squid <laughs> cupcake. And they still wanted to show off the squid cupcake, despite the fact that they learned that Al can't eat it. Um, so they kind of had to think on the fly. But um, yeah, he, Al was definitely a great sport. But yeah, he's not going to... I'm. <laughs> He's not going to eat some random person's squid cupcake and break his veganism, for sure. <laughs> of course. Now, now, what's become a really exciting part of live Weird Al events is, of course, when he does play the clip of him on the show saying, you know, this cupcake makes me want to throw up so I can taste it again. Have you gotten to experience seeing... Uh, Al do a live show and, and see that clip played on stage. I haven't. Can you believe it? Oh. I haven't. I remember when he said that. By the way, that was maybe the funniest thing I'd ever heard a judge say. It's just so good. Yeah. I mean, just the perfect soundbite. Incredible. Yeah. Right. I cannot wait to see Al on tour. I mean, I really can't. I mean, I've seen lots of videos, and it's just like, wow, this guy puts every ounce of himself into pull it, putting on a great show. Like, no expense spared, no production value spared. It's just incredible. Um, I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah, I can't wait yeah. for you to see it. It's, it's you know, as, as a Weird Al fan, you're going to just, your mind is just going to explode. You, you, the face Weird Al has when he sees you do magic is the face you're going to have when you watch Al on stage. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I've got a hundred questions about Cupcake Wars, um, so I, I apologize <laughs> to our, our listening audience and, and to you, Justin <laughs> and Dave, um, but I'm, good. I, I'm curious, you know, when, when you're filming, what are you what are you guys doing? Like, during the two-hour challenge, I mean, you're not, you know, obviously you're not doing Well, luckily the we're not time. there the whole time, yeah. you know, like, but during the uh, round one and round two, we are out there the whole time. And if you look close, I'm sure there's times where you can notice that like we're all on our phones, like in our laps <laughs> or like yeah. on the table because it does get boring. Also, yeah. because you kind of don't have a good view to see what's going on. Right. Right. You know, you kind of can't really see see that great. So you're just kind of like on your phone. And then I've got a little earpiece where the producer would be like, OK, you guys are on camera. Phones away. Phones away. And I'll be like, phones away. You know, and we'll kind of snap into attention. So it's a lot of that. Um, but uh, but for the most part, you know, like we're we're out there, you know, watching, and uh, you know, I'm I'm always trying to come up with ways to make the script funnier, or you know, add little tidbits. And I would drop in a lot of magic early on, but unfortunately, like in the edit, like they would just have to, you know, like they're trying to cram so much into 44 minutes, they would end up being like, well, we kind of have to cut the magic trick because that's not what the show is about. So uh, it would end up getting cut for time a lot, but um, which I totally understand. Right. But eventually it's like, you know, we would we would kind of go back to the dressing room here and there or, um, yeah, just be on the phone. Or really, if, if the guest judge is somebody awesome or interesting, just, we're really just kind of small talking and getting to know them, which, is, cool. which is really fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I remember an episode of, like, Jessica Alba, and, like, really cool people would come through, so that, that must have been that was a, That was a big day. That was awesome. She yeah. was awesome. I've got a great picture of me holding a bunch of her um, 
or baby products, like uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to make her laugh or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, nothing tops the Weird Al day, of course. Right. But I will say, like, the day that uh, Yo Gabba Gabba was an episode oh, once yeah. and all the, all, the, all the characters came out a couple times. Blue Man Group was an episode <laughs> once where the creator was the guest judge. And so I got to do some comedy bits with the Blue Men. So... So there were there were really fun like kind of pinch yourself once in a lifetime like how in the world am I, you know, doing shtick with the Blue Men Group or, you know, hug, <laughs> hugging Weird Al yeah. or you know whatever. It's pretty fun, right? Yeah, something that I I had noticed a few times on the show and it, it came up in the Weird Al episode is it seems like. You know, even when it's an obscure kind of judge, it seems like the contestants always seem to have a lot of insight on their career. Like, you know, in the Weird Al episode, they were like referencing like some fairly obscure songs. If you're talking about like a normal person, uh, I'm curious what kind of prep do the contestants get for something like that? You know, interesting because I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't so involved in that side of things, but yeah. I think, I think everyone. You know, the ingredients are always a surprise to them in the moment, but I think they must get at least a day or two warning of, okay, here's the guest judge or here's a little insight on the event just so that they, you know, I think it makes a better TV show if in the interviews they actually know what they're talking about, you know, Um, and it gives them a chance to, you know, show off. And if they can, (laughs) if they do their homework and pull up some of the songs and then make a cupcake that references those songs, I think that's pretty awesome and it makes a great TV show. And then it makes the people who don't go that extra mile just uh, look worse. So uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it works out. Right. Okay. I've got one last cupcake question. We can get back to the regularly scheduled program. Um, when it comes <laughs> to, you know, actually having the event that these people are competing for, are those the same cupcakes made in studio or are they remade for the event? Uh, good question. Okay. <laughs> uh, they remake them for the event yeah. because they the event often is not that same day. Yeah. That's the magic of TV. Yes. Okay. Um, and then people always ask me what they do with the loser's cupcakes. And I always tell them that uh, they box them up and they put them in the back of a truck and they drive to the nearest homeless shelter and put them in their dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they do. They do donate them to uh, a shelter if they are still edible. Like sometimes, like the losers' cupcakes at that point, like they they you know they were made uh, eight hours earlier and they've had hands all over them, right. and it's kind of like I don't think we should give these to anybody. Yeah. They're a little gross, right? <laughs> to get away from cupcakes for a moment, let's let's go back to uh, Magic for Humans, your great Netflix hit series which you're not only the creator of, but you're also the star of. Can you tell us about Magic for Humans? Yeah, it was really my, um, I mean, my, it's my, my baby. It's like uh, definitely my most, my proudest uh, achievement. Um, ever since I had that um, show called, it was called Magic Meltout on that Nerdist YouTube channel. That was kind of like this first little incubator for like, Basically, for like, and I think part of it that was part of Chris's design was why don't we use this as a chance to give potential TV series a chance to find their legs, you know, kind of incubate them. And um, so, if if you look close, like the the format and structure for Magic Meltdown, which was every episode, I pick a theme and I kind of use magic to explore that theme, is exactly what Magic for Humans is. Um, 
So that's kind of where I just kind of did a little trial and error. Obviously, I tried to pitch that show way back when. No, no takers. I kind of pitched another couple versions of it. No takers. I then made a pilot for Comedy Central with Chris Hardwick as an EP. They passed on it. They did air it as a special, a little half-hour special, but they passed on it. Made another pilot for Comedy Central. They passed on it. And then I kind of took all these little, um, you know, failures and cut them together into a sizzle reel that emphasized the stuff that did work. And that's kind of how Magic for Humans got sold. And if people haven't seen it, it's basically a show where I... The show where I, you know, use magic to explore the human condition, you know, um, and every episode you explore a different theme, love, technology, fear, self-control, guilt, that kind of thing. And I uh, got to put together just a dream team of comedy writers and um, really, really great magicians who I've known my whole life who were just geniuses and and make a show that I was really, really proud of. Um, and had a blast doing it. And obviously with Netflix, you get a chance to be in front of a lot of eyeballs all over the world. So yeah. it's kind of changed my life just in my ability to, you know, tour and play bigger venues. You know, like my, my live touring show, that's always my bread and butter and my favorite thing. I'm a live performer. But um, to have a series that at least will increase awareness of that you exist so that when you <laughs> tour, people want to come see you has been has been uh, game changing. And What's really cool is the show is produced by Absolutely Productions, which, of course, yes. you know Tim and Eric are behind that, and and Absolutely has put out probably some of the best TV shows of the past decade. What was it like getting to you know connect with them and 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 have them work on the show with you? I mean, very very surreal, so amazing because I'm a huge Tim and Eric fan. I mean. The, they've made me laugh harder than maybe anything ever. Uh, I'm a huge Nathan for you fan. <laughs> oh, me Nathan too. For you. I'm a huge yeah. Eric Andre show fan. Like yeah. all, all right. these things that were just like, oh, that's my favorite show. And then to get to make it with them and kind of, you know, basically use the same editors and, and be able to kind of sprinkle just the right amount of Tim and Eric weirdness yeah. into Magic for Humans <laughs> is I think what really makes it makes it great because it's um you know it magic sometimes needs the edge taken off of it you know and i wanted to make a magic show that is for magic lovers but also like really fun to watch for the people who are magic cynics or just comedy nerds where it's kind of doesn't take itself too seriously and obviously tim and eric like their whole brand is like just the perfect ridiculous absurdity where you're like how (laughs) like how insane of a person do you have to be to think of that and what's crazy is that they're so like not insane people in real life like they're very soft-spoken and sweet and kind and oh hey hey eric how's it going good hey tim oh you need help with the coffee maker like just normal dudes (laughs) who just uh you know are are just brilliant hard-working guys who also are able to have such good taste in the type of people that they hire. I mean, um, just getting to work with an am- amazing editors who who just can just have that instinct about because there's you know obviously it's almost like an unspoken comedy writer in our show is the editor right who's right. able just to know when is the funniest time to cut and how <laughs> how many seconds extra is the perfect hilarious awkward time to just linger <laughs> on a thing and it's uh, or to zoom in on someone's uncomfortable face it's, it's the best right <laughs> usually a susan's uncomfortable face 
Usually a Susan, of course. <laughs> where did where did Susan come from? Did you guys set out to be like, let's find people named Susan? Or was it like, oh, this woman's named Susan and let's just run with it? Well, it's funny. So I knew like we're, you know, we're busy writing like the big the big parts of the show and trying to figure all that out. But then at a certain point I was like, I feel like we're gonna need these little palate cleansers, just little bumpers, you know? <laughs> um and that's where I would like put up, um, let's do something called trick questions, you know, like yep. we're a show trick, ask a question. And then somebody pitched the idea of like, how about we do magic, but only for people named Susan. And <laughs> and, and it kind of sounded funny at the time because it's like, oh, magic for Susans kind of rhymes with magic for humans. But I think we just thought it was stupid. And I, it was one of those things that I'm like, okay, well, if we don't leave that card on the board, we just don't have a lot of cards. So let's leave it up there and we'll find something better. And then I think our first day of shooting, we happened to come, you know, to cross paths with someone named Susan. And I was like, <laughs> hey, what was the bit? Like, what is the bit? You know, I'm talking to my, 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 my writer who's on set with us. I was like, well, did we ever talk about how this would go? No, just come, just just make it up so i was like okay and uh and then she was just funny you know like yeah. i think it's just you know it's i think doing magic for just magic's sake is fine but also like a missed opportunity so that's why like it's nice to do the smart stuff that you really work hard for with like recreating the marshmallow test with magic like the things like that i feel like you know you're using magic to reinvent a classic experiment and explore psychology yeah. that's great but also like it's fun to do magic like for stupid just tricks sake but it's nice if there's something extra which is in this case like only doing magic for susans and also like <laughs> for some reason we didn't have to try that hard for every susan to also be so susany you know like <laughs> putting out on craigslist eventually putting out on craigslist looking for more susans not telling them what the show was that they were coming for, just saying, hey, you know, we'll pay 40 bucks and, and uh, coffee, we'll pay your parking. And we would, you know, wherever we happen to be shooting on those days, we would just have them meet there. So, and they would show up, thank God. And uh, it, was, it was just a beautiful thing. I, I love that you wow. you kept it authentic. You could just get anyone and, and have them say their name Susan, but you got actual people named Susan. Yes, they were <laughs> all of them legitimate Susans, and and honestly, like you know, there were we would shoot a lot. Like the, not every Susan we shot with made it to the show, just because you know sometimes there'd be a where there'd be a dud. You know, like right if someone gives you a no reaction, or at least if they if they kind of are you know. You want someone who will forget that they're being filmed and be real. And sometimes people are a little, especially in L.A., a little self-conscious and a little kind of just seem a little fake, you know, yeah. as opposed to like Weird Al who yeah. will look mind blown and really be it. They'll kind of be like, wow, whoa, that's amazing or something. And it just didn't ring true. So sometimes we had to we had to do that and and, you know, cut them. But that's why uh, the Susans that you get to see are, are hopefully the, the, the best Susans. <laughs> the cream of the Susan crop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's interesting. How often are you performing something that, that doesn't make it on the show? Or is that, is that often? Or, or is it usually usually get the reaction that you are expecting? I would say it is... I would say... Uh, if we go out in a, to shoot a segment, like a field piece, me and the team will have worked hard to maybe create eight or ten tricks. You know, like if we're doing a bit on childproofing 
and it's like funny tricks that are childproofing things gone wrong. Maybe I went and did eight or nine of them that day, and three of them make the cut. Oh, why really? Wow. There's a lot that you don't see. Yeah. I would say uh, 25 to 30% of the magic is good enough to be in the show. Like, wow. not that the trick wow. isn't good, but it's like a, it's like a, it's like when you when you're out in the field, you don't have time to, you know, our budget is was was limited, so we didn't have time to like spend days shooting the same trick. So it's like the trick, both the trick needs to look great in that particular take, but also you had to have gotten lucky with a person who reacts great or funny, and you had to hope that the camera guys or gals shot it in a way that it you know, captures the trick, captures them without cutting, you know, because it's like if the reaction was great, but that take of the trick is not good, well, then it's not going to fool the viewers. Um, If the, you know, if the trick was great for the viewers, like it looks so good on camera, but the person there either missed it, maybe was suspicious, saw how it works, or just wasn't a good reactor, then you're like, well, crap, I can't use that. So it was, uh, it was just those perfect moments where the trick looked great, the person's reaction was great, and the camera got it great, you know, because it has to look good for the camera and the person watching at home. So it's, and, and you know, and it was a lot of trial and error. Like, we're literally inventing tricks, you know, and building them and kind of right. don't know if this is, is this good? Is this <laughs> going to fool them? Is this funny? And you kind of don't know until you're in the edit watching them back uh, to see if, if, if you pulled it off or not. Do you ever, you know, filming for Magic for Humans or, or for any of the other Magic specials you've done, do you ever get the person who's just a cynic and like, oh, I know how you did that or anything like that? Or are people generally pretty good about that? I mean, I get, you get everything. Yeah. You mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, because I've been doing Magic like since I was 12, you know, like I'm used to kids birthday parties bar and bat mitzvahs corporate events you know especially bar and bat mitzvahs like you get you get people who are like ah it's fake it's in for your it's up your sleeve it's in your pocket you know like so you kind of get this experience of being able to handle like the worst conditions you yeah, know and okay. figuring out a way to thrive in those positions so that when you're out in the field and shooting like you know like i I don't let it phase me. And then a lot of times, like if, if I do a bit for somebody and they had a great reaction, but the trick that I did first was not good. I'm like, okay, let's here. I'm like, Hey, let's save her for a trick question. You know, can you come back in 20 minutes? We'll do a different thing. Cause just those great people are, are like diamonds in the rough, especially in LA. Yeah, Cause yeah. even just the random person you walk down the street and, and you happen to rope into coming over, like, a lot of the people randomly on the street happen to be wannabe actors or, right. you know, who kind of try to just put on an extra thing when all I really want is someone to be real and normal and not aware of the camera. In L.A., it's hard to find people who are not savvy or, you know, trying to get their break. Yeah. And there was this really um, incredible and, and, and sweet and powerful moment I, I feel like it was the first or second season where you are actually doing magic for your mom who has alzheimer's and it was just it was such a beautiful segment for so many reasons what was it like getting to to film with your mom and 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 you know share that time with her on the show yeah that i mean that was definitely i think it's probably my my favorite thing i've ever done obviously for personal reasons just because to um you know in the writer's room that season 
this was this was a bit we did in the second season, and I think what I learned after the first season aired, like, and, and what I would hear people talking about when I'd meet people out in the world, were like, uh, they people loved the the stuff that was real and about my life and about you know that lets you in behind the scenes. It would show home videos, like people yeah. really liked the stuff that was authentic. So learning that, and and I loved hearing that because I think as a magician for years, you know, you kind of separate yourself a little bit from the audience because you're this person who has these special powers, which right. you don't, you don't, right. you know, it's all a lie. And, and so like, it's hard for people to really relate to you. Uh, so that's why I kind of like, I really liked that that stuff resonated with people because I, you know, you write what you know. And I think it enables you to tell a story nobody else can tell when you're telling your story. So uh, at that point, when we're right in season two. My mom's Alzheimer's was kind of what I was, was on my mind a lot. And, yeah. uh, and I kind of posed this, the idea in the writer's room. I was like, what if we did something about Alzheimer's, but, but specifically about how music has this ability to, you know, unlock the brain of someone, unlock memories and lyrics in someone's brain mm. when you would, don't believe you know, that that stuff is still there. Like, it's this magical thing. And yeah. I was given the idea for this because I would... You know, my mom uh, would, you know, a Neil Diamond song would come on and she would start singing the lyrics. And it was like, wow, how is this happening? Where is this coming from? It's so beautiful. And I think it, it gives you all this hope because with Alzheimer's, you, you just want to know that that stuff is still there. And it kind of just makes you a little hopeful that yeah. the brain is such a yeah. mysterious thing that maybe there is a way to find a cure. So, um, I, you know, and obviously there's nothing funny about Alzheimer's. And I didn't want it to be a bummer in this episode. I, I didn't want to bring it down, but something just told me that you know what, like there's a, there's the perfect um, pace and tone to doing something of this nature that I think will really resonate with people. And um, you know, had my parents come out to LA, and you know, we we shot that bit and kind of did a really limited crew at my house and just to try to make the crew blend into the background so that it really felt like I was just hanging out with my parents. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm so glad we got what we got because, you know, that was it's just a beautiful little time capsule. But yeah. most importantly, like, after that aired, you know, it I, I probably still get an, an email or two a week from someone who, like, you know, it made them, like, snap out of, that they were like, you know what, I haven't called my dad in a long time. Like, you know, just forget whatever crap was keeping them from being in touch with their parents, you know, mm -hmm. to live in the moment and, or someone who had lost their parent to Alzheimer's or, or anything. Like a lot of people, like it kind of extended beyond just Alzheimer's. Just people, I think because they were caught off guard by that segment in the show and kind of weren't expecting it to be like, you know, hit in the gut emotionally, it kind of... Um, it resonated deeply with people and it made me f feel less alone because it made them feel less alone. And um, I think, you know, people love to laugh. People love to be amazed. But I think people also love to feel the feels, you know, like I love w watching a show that, you know, I didn't expect it, but that made me cry, you know, like that was amazing. Or right. seeing a, hear, hearing a performance of uh, hearing someone sing or going to see a musical that makes me cry. Like, I'm never upset that something moved me. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to, you know, make people sad. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't want to make them sad, but I do want to touch people, you know? And I think people like 
feeling the variety of emotions, laughter, joy, and also, you know, empathy and, you know, uh, tears. It's, it's all part of the human experience. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, considering the show is an absolutely show, you know, one of the funniest track records of things and getting to that point and having it work as well as it did i mean it just it was so incredible well thank you yeah and i had to be I, my pleasure yeah i i was so glad to be able to put that in there and, and i tried to like put it in a place you know i think i closed it was the last segment of season two and i really wanted to kind of like not have it catch people too much by surprise so i kind of tried to just hint at at, at that hey this this season might get a little more authentic or we might talk about real stuff a little bit more just to kind of condition you so it's not out of nowhere or that you're you know if it really hits you out of nowhere if it's like right after a magic for Susan's you might think that this is is this a joke like I, what's right. he what's he talking about but but yeah it took it took some work and I mean. Um, Jason Mraz was so cool, who's on the show, by the way, which is yes, yes. really that tie-in, because uh, my mom loved his songs, but he was so cool because uh, it's really hard to use uh, the the melody of uh, of an, you know a major label recording artist's <laughs> right. song when you don't have the money to pay for it. You know, we're not NCIS or you know or Stranger <laughs> Things that can use all these hits. Like, right. yeah. like literally every other every other piece of music you hear in the show is like from a royalty free music library you know like we it's just music is so expensive and we have to like use our money so wisely so we never would have been able to afford the rights to that song and he like personally emailed the president of atlantic records and just was like listen like it really would mean a lot to me if we granted the rights to for him to use the song it's for alzheimer's awareness and um he really like pioneered getting rid of the red tape to make that happen that's incredibly cool of him that's really cool yeah that's great and the fact that not only, you know, is this a, a, a big recording artist doing this for you, but it's also someone that your mom loved. I mean, that is just really cool. Loved. Loved him. Yeah. Just loved his yeah. music. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was a hard thing to do shooting that day because, um, you know, I, I think it had been maybe four months since I'd seen my parents in person because they lived, they lived in St. Louis and I live in L.A. and it uh, the disease really progressed a lot in those four months, you know, like when you're not there every day to, you know, see the incremental changes, like it really, it's mm-hmm. takes you back. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes you aback when you realize like, oh, wow, like it got bad. And so I, you know, I didn't want to make my mom confused or uncomfortable about what we were doing there, you know, like she didn't really grasp, I mean, she sees these cameras and she kind of, the lights, she would kind of every couple of minutes say, what's that guy, what's who's that guy like pointing at the lighting guy you know and it's kind of like it's like really i i don't want to make you confused because the, I, then i just don't f- feel right so it was about finding the right setting to make it just yeah. as natural as possible let's get it let's not you know like try to feel like we need to shoot it over and over again it needs to be real if we get it we get it and, and honestly i was i had to be okay with if we if we don't get it or it just if it doesn't feel like something that is i'm comfortable sharing you know so be it at least, at least we tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this event coming up on June 26th just seems like it's going to be absolutely incredible. I cannot wait to see it. It's on June 26th. It's called Magic for Memories. I mean, it, it's the most stacked lineup I've ever seen for a Zoom show, let alone maybe like an in-person show. This is incredible. You got Jason Mraz. You got... 
Jim Gaffigan, you got Nicole Byer, you've got Weird Al, you're going to be, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> Can't get any better, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so tickets are still available. All of all of the proceeds from this are benefiting the the fund in your, your mom's honor. Yes, 100% of every dollar raised goes to the Sonia V. Willman uh, Alzheimer's Disease Research Fund, which honestly, like, ha- is affiliated with Washington University in St. Louis, and they've really, like, made some amazing like discoveries just in the past year. And so it's, I think, I can really honestly say that every dollar made during the show, like, could very realistically get us closer to a cure. So um, that's incredible. Um, you know, yeah. you can, you can, you can be generous without reservation. And this, I'm always so fascinated by cameo. You, you are on cameo and with that, you donate every dollar to the, this fund. As yes, well. I do as well. And it's actually been so f- fun on cameo because I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. Like, you know, just being a little a bit of a gift surprise that people are you know trying to make someone's day with it feels great that it's for for the the cause but uh but yeah it's just a really funny i mean you know it's also the whole premise of the whole thing is easy to roll your eyes at but i think when used you know for good and for making someone's day like it's a it's a great way to connect with people and give give someone like a little souvenir that you know that they'll like cherish forever yeah Uh, you know and i've 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 had a bunch of cameos you know that i've bought for friends or my wife um that are just like it's it's just a cool cool little gift oh totally yeah there's so much fun absolutely Weird Al's not on there though. We gotta. We'll we'll, we'll get there one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> well, we can get tickets to Magic for Memories by going to magicformemories.com. And uh, I gotta get this poster. This poster is just so cool. And you're gonna personalize and sign the posters for the gold package. And this is just gonna be so much fun. So I cannot wait for June 26. Grab your tickets now. Get your zoom ready and installed because you don't want to miss a second of it you you, you don't I, I can't wait to see everyone there and um i think uh i i promise to not disappoint all the weird al fans with uh getting some gold out of weird al although that's all he gives uh <laughs> right. so it'll be, it'll be super fun and and uh yeah all for a great cause and so thank you guys for helping me spread the word about it and it's so fun getting to chat well, thank you, Justin. It sounds like it is going to be an incredible event. And for such an incredible cause, Weird Al being there, that's just the cherry on the top. I cannot wait. I've already got my ticket. And yes, Justin pushed me over the edge. He convinced me I'm getting the poster. It's for a good cause, Dave. It's for a good cause. <laughs> it sure is. The event is next Saturday, June 26th, 5 p.m. Hollywood Star Time, 8 p.m. Burrito Burrito Time. For more information or for tickets, you can head on over to magicformemories.com. Uh, hey, you know what ad we should do next? I'm thinking we should do the David Grant ad. Oh, yeah, great idea. Uh, but we don't have a script for it this week. Oh, uh, Frank. All right, let's just write one. First, I'll say, hey, Ethan, it's time for an ad. Uh, okay, and I'll say, wow, Dave, you're right. It's time for our David Grant ad this week. Oh, and then I'll go, we know he's David Grant, but did we also know he's MC Chalkskin and he writes books and stuff? And I don't know, I'll add more later. Oh, great idea. Then I'll say, 
Oh, absolutely. Thanks for reminding me about all that great stuff David Grant has done and has available on his website. Then I'll, you know, pretend I don't know what the website name is and I'll say, hmm, Ethan, can you please remind me of David Grant's website? And, and I'll respond and say, in an annoyed voice, well, Dave, it's obviously wolfinwool.com. Duh. And I'll act like I feel like an idiot for not remembering it. Oh, yeah, yeah well, that's right. Wolfandwool.com. And then I'll reiterate the website one more time, just in case anyone missed it. Yep, wolfandwool.com. And then I'll just say, ah, David Grant. And I'll say, yeah, David Grant. And scene. Wow, that'll be an excellent ad, Dave. Too bad we don't have any time to record it this week. Well, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota, uh, beautiful, it's also banking. No! Welcome back to our series of Discover Darwin ads about banking. No, 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 no! No, 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 no. What? I do not want to hear about Perennial Bank again. What don't you want to hear? Well, I don't want to hear how, like, the former bank president, Mark Johnson, said, You're not just a number here. We know you by name. You'll always find a real person when you call the Darwin Bank. Okay, I won't say that then. What else do you not want to hear about? Well, I definitely don't want to hear about how the bank expanded its services to the community with the opening of the Dassel branch in early 2008. Yeah, I wouldn't dare give Dassel any airtime. And please don't drone on and on about how outside of Darwin they have three other convenient locations located in the aforementioned Dassel, as well as Painesville and Winthrop. Okay, I definitely won't drone on about that. I think that's it. And scene. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Brito Brito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and David Grant. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, Jared, Jake, Javier, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, and Kenneth. And thanks to Kat and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, such as tote bags and pillows and tank tops and more over at shop.2000inch.com. And remember, right now, Patreon supporters can check out the first two episodes of our Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode series, the special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, centimeter by centimeter, through his book Black and White and Weird All Over. Patreon supporters get to hear all the bonus episodes early. Everyone else, stay tuned. Frank said he would post them outside of Patreon once he finishes counting our hair. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans. Join us over on our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on the air. 
For everything about our podcast, including incredible past guests and episodes, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And once again, thank you for subscribing and leaving positive five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest, Justin Willman, and thank you to Lily Hirsch for that exciting news. Also, thanks to Harvey the Wonder Dog, Kenneth Gwynup, Scott Sorensen, Adriana Yugovich, and UH Jeff Nussera. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes this podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, and always remember to gill and chill. Hey, Ethan, do you want to see a magic trick? Of course! You know I love magic! Alright, get this. I am going to read your mind. Oh, no way. Okay, what do I need to do? Alright, I need you to think of a number between 1 and 2,000. Alright. I got one. Alright, excellent. Now please tell everyone, what was that number? 342. Ah, yeah! I knew you were going to say that! Wow! How did you do that?! Magician never tells his secrets. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 111-inch. Not your father's Weird Al podcast. For some reason, we didn't have to try that hard for every Susan to also be so Susan-y. You done with your uh, cupcake questions or anything?